Welcome back to another episode of First to the Floor. You are tuned in to part two of our Eastern Conference Tears episode with Alex Hoops. And here we go. Okay, that was last of the tier three, the middle class. Now we're getting into tier two, which is the good playoff teams. I think, you know, these guys disappointed in the playoffs pretty clearly last year, but they're still young. They're getting better. And I think that you they of any team that addressed their weaknesses in the offseason, the Cleveland Cavaliers might have done it the best, at least from a role player perspective. They were eighth in offense last year, first in defense, second in net rating. I mean, adding Struess, I I love Max Struess. Like he's a really, really solid wing and he's going to open the floor up. They were desperate for shooting on the wing. Um, So I don't know, Jake good playoff team feels like i wouldn't be shocked to see the Cavs in the the second round but do you see them like higher so they're a lock to me as a top three seed i think regular season when you have like they've been so consistent to like on defense the last two seasons since mobley's come in like him and allen back there similar to the celtics defensively having like those those twin towers so effective on defense and then regular season mitchell garland you add actual shooting with Struce and yang I would be shocked if they're not a top three seed. I think from yeah. from there, no worries. But then I still have b- big concerns from a playoff point of view when you, you're two of your best five players don't shoot and are basically non-threats on offense. I know Mobley's a, like a solid passer, connector, a little bit of the jump hook, like but not like you can't throw the ball to him really at any point on the court and feel confident and comfortable with him going to get you a bucket, especially in a playoff setting. So when you've got two guys like that in a playoff setting, you're going against like, yeah, basically the, if you get to the second round, it means you're playing probably either the Celtics or the Bucks. And if you, if you, if you give the Celtics or the Bucks a matchup where you're able to roam with Giannis, Rob Williams, Porzingis, you're just, you're fucked. And so yeah. um, second round to me is their ceiling until the Mobley takes an offensive leap. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the same boat. Um, and I, I say that as someone who's, uh, I've been pretty high on the Cavs uh, even before last year where they kind of took that jump. Like I was anticipating them to get a lot better uh, when they drafted Mobley, obviously. But uh, I, somebody told me, I forget where I saw this, um, but like Mobley has never averaged 20 points per game at any level in his entire career. Yeah. And so like the expectation that he's going to somehow just yeah, turn into some 20 point per game. KG. Score. I've heard KG yeah. thrown around Duncan. all the time. It's yeah. like, yeah. Uh, okay. He might be able to get you, you know, 18 or 19 within the flow of the offense. But in terms of defenses, like treating him as a, as a first, second, or even third option, it's, it's really tough to see that. That being said, they were top 10 in offense and top 10 in defense last year. That's good enough to be a top three seed in the East. Yeah. They, they're, they're a good team. It's just how, how much are they going to be able to do to address the fact that Mobley is mostly a, a non-factor on the offensive end and like what's their ceiling operating in that kind of context? Like, does that elevate you past a a perennial second round exit or can that get you to the Eastern conference finals? Can that get you to the finals? That's where I'm like, with the way the East is currently constructed, I don't think so. And they have to have those two small guards out there. They're both too good, but also that kind of gives you a lot of problems on the other end. You know, when you're going against teams with bigger guards, like Jalen Brown can eat either of those guys up on, on the, 
when he's on offense. So uh, just kind of a weird team, even though I do really like their their offseason moves. Jake, were you going to say something? Yeah, they also did. I was going to say, like, they give the Celtics trouble. I know Ben in the <laughs> pens in here just freaking out, being like, we can't see the Cavs in the playoffs. And I was kind of, I was kind of there. Like I was actually give me the sixes over the Cavs just because we we kind of struggled in drop coverage uh, last season, and Trey Young did that, and I think Mitchell and Garland would have given us trouble. But that pl- by that playoff setting, when you're game planning night to night, I do think that the matchups start to favor the Celtics quite a bit there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the tier two good playoff teams, like no team fits within a tier better than the Cavs. Like that's exactly yeah. what they are. They're just a nice, good quality playoff team. Okay, next up, the New York Knicks, fourth in offense for a Tibbs team, which is like insane, totally unheard of. Uh, 19th in defense, also unheard of for the opposite direction. Seventh in net rating. Um Really solid. I think they, you know, they proved some people wrong in that first round by wiping away the Cavs in five. Just a really good, solid team. But I think like the Cavs, I, d- I do not trust Julius Randle in the playoffs. I'm sorry. I just can't get there. But Alex, tier two, good playoff team, New York Knicks. Yeah, that feels right. They got to. Uh, honestly, I was I was pretty impressed uh, by Jalen Brunson in, in that playoff series against the Heat, like the Heat. Obviously, we all know they ended up in the finals. Like, no, I actually, I don't believe that that happened in this universe. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, I would say if you simulated that, that series a thousand more times, (laughs) I don't see the the Miami Heat winning that series more than once. Like, you're telling the math of that series defies all logic. It's the most disgusting thing I've seen (laughs) like from an analytical perspective in so long. Like it's up there with Steph Curry making a thousand threes in a row. Like it doesn't or whatever, (laughs) not a a, hundred threes in a row or whatever it was like it defies all logic. Yeah. So the fact that the the Knicks back to my point, the fact that the Knicks managed to take a (sighs) team that was literally having the most historic spot up shooting run in NBA history like props to them for that but yeah I gotta see I gotta see them do it against I, I'm not gonna say a real team because you know the Heat are still a very good team but like I want to see them do it against uh, Boston or uh, a Milwaukee or even you know a Philly but I think a lot of teams can probably do it to Philly because I think that's <laughs> just a mentally weak team that you can if you just pound on them long enough they're going to break but that's besides the point but yeah the Knicks <laughs> I like the Knicks I like what the Knicks are building I like a lot of the the players that they have I think the moves that they've made have been a little more calculated than they kind of get credit for like Bringing in Jalen Brunson, that deal looks incredible. Oh, now so Dylan Brooks got, is getting twenty million dollars yeah. a year, yeah. and you're telling me you've got Jalen Brunson for what, like twenty six million dollars, yeah, twenty seven, something like that? It's like that's a great deal. Uh, Josh Hart, bringing in Josh Hart. Josh Hart's like one of the best role players in the entire league, and they've got Emmanuel Quickly, who is a six man of the year candidate. Like they're doing everything right, and they're uh, they're that tier two to me this year. They're probably going to be a tier two next year, but who knows three years from now, four years from now, if they keep playing their cards right and parlaying the contracts that they have now into good long-term moves, they could end up being a tier one kind of team eventually. It's just this season, probably next season. I don't see it. Yeah. I think as currently constructed, there's not a piece on the roster where you're like, if this happens, 
then they could go to tier one. Like, I think the ship has sailed on the RJ Barrett thing. I think he, like, he was the one guy where it's like, if they're going to go up a, a legit level, a legit tier, it's going to have to come from RJ. And I, I think we've given him enough chances now. Like, what is he, 20? He's played five seasons now. Um, I think him going into, like, a, like an all-star level is probably off the table at this point. Not not unheard of, but he's been given plenty of opportunity, uh, I think, to do that. Yeah, the offense doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but, like, just because, like, they're not a super good free throw, I mean, a three-point shooting team, not super high field goal percentage, but they don't turn the ball over and they get to the free throw line. Um Offensive rebounds too. Offensive They're rebounds, yeah. monsters on on the offensive glass. Yeah. But uh, before we move on, uh, real quick, WVU homerism. Watch out for <laughs> oh, Deuce McBride. Yeah. Deuce yeah. baby, he's gonna be good. I'm telling you, he showed some flashes last year. Um, all right, last team in the good playoff teams. Wait till you see where I have the Heat, Alex. <laughs> yeah, you notice they haven't come up yet. <laughs> yeah, notice. Uh, last team in tier two, and uh, this is a hot take: the Milwaukee Bucks. Oldest roster in the NBA, 15th in offense last year, fourth in defense. I could see that getting worse. Brooke Lopez is approaching 40 years old. Uh, fifth in net rating. <laughs> Middleton's not the same type of defender anymore. Uh, Drew Holiday's getting into his mid-30s. Like This team feels like a ticking time bomb to me, but it's Giannis, so they're at least going to be a good playoff team. But Alex, tell me, am I being a massive homer putting them in tier two? No, I and it kills me. Like. Because you guys know I, I, I'm like a part-time Bucks fan. Uh, yep. <laughs> they're kind of my Eastern Conference team. Uh, for those listening, Chris Middleton is my favorite player in the NBA. Uh, I'm a gigantic Middleton fan. And I will say, like, of the players who showed up to play during the playoffs, Chris Middleton showed up to yeah. freaking play. Like, yep. for everyone who was, you know, crapping their pants during that series, he was like, yeah. I, I, I'll do what I do. And that was, that was fun to see. But, yeah... I, Drew Holiday, it's wild because he had yeah. like he had his best regular season since like his All Star year, which I get wasn't that long ago. But like, dude, um, there were so many games where Celtics fans are like pushing for the one seed, and it's like the Bucks are down, have no business being in any game, and Drew Holiday goes like four for four from three in the fourth quarter, and the game's over. And then he gets to the playoffs, and he couldn't literally for two years in a row now actually hasn't been able to hit a shot. But the yeah. regular season wise, he he dragged them to the one seed. Yeah, I, I mean, he's the the fact that he drops off so much is is wild in and of itself. But the aging roster, the fact that there's not a ton of like upside going forward for them in terms of their young guys, uh, it's hard to see a world not a where they're like, a Bochamp guy. I, I I like him a lot, but like if that's your only guy yeah. that you're high on, like heading into the future, I, I just I'm not gonna buy a ton of stock in you, and that's. That's even assuming Giannis, I have a feeling he's going to come back and have the best season of his career this year. For a guy like him, like it's really hard to imagine that he takes uh, a punch in the face like he did during the playoffs last year and doesn't come back and have the best season of his career. But like, that's not going to matter a whole lot when Brooke Lopez is... 40 years old and yeah. drew holiday like doesn't show up in the playoffs and Middleton is who knows? Like, I, I hope he has a healthy season, but the injuries are kind of becoming more and more frequent. It's like, how many games are you going to get out of him? Even if he is still contributing at a pretty decent level, it's like, yeah, you need, you need 82 game players and the bucks don't have a lot of 82 game players. Yeah. And I think Middleton's going to be able to be a tough shot maker until he dies. 
Like yeah. he doesn't he doesn't yeah. need separation to get his shot off and knock mm-hmm. down shots. It's the other end of the court where I think you're concerned if you're a Bucks fan. It's he's had now two knee surgeries in the past like 12 months, wasn't able to get healthy all season, then has the second one this offseason. And if they just don't have true wing defenders like Drew Holiday, as good as he is, as like, you know, he's he's one of the best guard defenders in the league. Caruso, Smart, Drew Holiday, Derek White, they're all in that tier one. But we saw it with Drew Holt, we saw it with Jimmy Butler, and we saw the the year previous where the Celtics played the Bucks, like there's just limitations to what he's going to be able to do with Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum. That's just the reality of it. Um, but that being said, I, I think not having them in tier one, Spoonie, is definitely tempting the gods just a little bit. I know. Because um, Giannis Antetokounmpo is still, he's like, exactly. We've, we've all anointed Jokic as the best player in the world. I think that's totally fair. But I think Giannis uh, certainly has a claim and he'll, He'll be back uh, next year, but they they have four guys to me that you can like feel pretty comfortable with in the playoffs, and it's Grayson Allen, that, and like Javon Carter was huge for them last all season yep. as well. Like never Malik, missed a transition three in his life. No, nope. <laughs> money. Another guy that just like would not let the Bucks get rid of that one seed all season long, and Malik Beasley. I would say he's like, is he going to shoot better than Javon Carter? He's Grayson year? Allen. He's like the same player as Grayson Allen. But basically. worse on defense. Like he's yes. even worse on defense than Grayson yeah. Allen. So it's just like, they don't have a fifth guy to me. And that's, that's a pretty serious problem. Um, but I can't take, I can't take them out of tier one just because of Giannis. Like I just can't. All right. That's fair. Yeah. That's totally fair. Giannis makes a lot of problems go away. That is yeah. for sure. Okay. The last tier, you can probably guess one team that's in this tier this is the true contenders we only have two teams left and this makes absolutely no sense it's completely stupid i completely understand that they were 25th in offense last year ninth in defense and 21st in net rating and they made the fucking finals until they (laughs) prove they're done i mean i just i'm done i'm done doubting the miami heat like i'm just not doing it again they're true. I don't care if they're the nine seed. I don't care if they're the five seed. Like you just have to respect that they have a chance to make the finals. I I know. I know it's dumb, Alex. I know you said the math. Was it crazy? But like, they just keep getting away with it. Like this is, yeah, this is what happens when you're in, um, like you're, you're held hostage. We have Stockholm syndrome at (laughs) at this point, Tyler hero going off for the, the best game of Tyler Hero's career happened as a rookie in the bubble, and he has never reached that level again. And Marcus Smart hand in his face, thirty-two footers. It didn't matter. It just not. It just never matters. Three out of the last four years, the Heat have been in the conference finals against the Celtics. Um, so until proven otherwise, like I, I, you can list off the roster, and like this is how much of a sicko I am at this point. I'm like, yeah, Josh Richardson's been bad for two years, but on the heat, he'll be good. Tyler Hero, Jimmy, Caleb Martin, and Bam. If that's their five, that's not so bad. Haywood Highsmith. He's good. Heat fans think he's good. I'm 100% sure Hame Hakuez Jr. is going to be ready right away. Like, yes, they're going to have some, a little bit depth, a little bit of depth issues, but Duncan Robinson, like, is he bad? Because he's not bad when he plays the Celtics in the playoffs. He was running like side pick and rolls and throwing lobs to Bam. Like, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Yeah, talk uh, us off the ledge, Alex. Yeah. Talk us off the ledge. It's funny you said that about the Duncan Robinson thing because uh, 
there's an interview and I forget where the interview is from. It might've been after one of the playoff games, but they asked him about Duncan Robinson. They were like, what's kind of been like the process of Duncan Robinson getting like DNPs during last year's playoffs to this year. He's like an integral part of the team. And Eric Spolstra was like, well, we like literally just got him and bam together in practice. And we got them to the point where Duncan Robinson could pass out of traps. And then from there we got it to where he could come off of a handoff and put the ball on the floor and run a pick and roll with him. And then we just built the two man game off of, off of that. And like the threat of his shooting, we just built everything around that from there. And I was like, this all makes sense now. This is why it's like all of a sudden just the most lethal thing on the planet. Like there was the Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic two-man game. And then for <laughs> some reason there was the Duncan Robinson and Bam Adebayo two-man game. And it was the most infuriating thing in the world to see like the Celtics who are a very good defensive team, just like fall victim to Eric Every Spolstra time. just being a demon of a coach and knowing exactly <laughs> what to do to get the most out of his team. And like, Honestly, I was going to disagree and be like, nah, I, I don't think they're going to be a, a tier one team. But then I pulled up their roster and I was it's like, it's not bad. Gosh, dang it. They still have good players. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Bad team. This, no. Like, how do they keep getting away with this? Yeah, especially that's... if they get Dame. Honestly. Uh, don't. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> ready to confront that. The only concern that. I have is age and like people getting yeah. hurt. Yeah. Honestly, from a, for the regular season they might actually win more games with this current roster than what mm -hmm. the roster looks like after a Dame trade. Because, like, if the if the Portland does make this trade, um, then, like, they're not going to have the, like, Jovic, Hame. I don't, I, I'm, I'm praying to God Caleb Martin goes out the door as well. Like, you'd have to assume, like, that he goes out, like, Alex, he's six shot over 60% for a whole series against the Celtics. It's on like midi turnaround. He literally, he stole, he was the monster for Jalen Brown. Like he literally yeah. stole Jalen Brown's talent for that whole series. Um, but yeah, like until otherwise, yeah. Uh, and also Z Gamer, I was thinking as well while Alex was talking, we're going to get Sam Hauser on this program as well. Because I think Hauser has some of like the same like feel and IQ when you watch him play. Like I don't, I wouldn't, I don't think it's out of his realm of possibility to. And that's the thing. It's, it's using that gravity. Like everybody freaks out every time. Duncan Robinson has the ball like coming off that handoff that like the pass to Bam is easy. Like it's just, eh. anyway, um, this is what PTSD feels like. I'm oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> I, I mean, I was watching that series and it's not like, you know, I, I was probably more in my heart of hearts rooting for Boston in that series, but like it would have been I a better finals. It. No yeah, question. I was, I was like, this just doesn't make sense. Like it was, <laughs> it was, it was interesting. But it was also like maddening to just watch that and be like, what, what on earth? Like this doesn't, make sense. <laughs> this defies all conventional yeah. thinking. So indeed. Yeah. And so until Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra are not both on the heat, I have them in my tier one title contenders from now until both of them are gone. Um, okay. So I well, think we, the we last do, team. Could, yeah. We can do Boston quickly. Right. And then just. Like, because Alex agrees, tier one, lock, championship yeah. contender, obviously. <laughs> you, I mean, uh, yeah. quick, 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 Porzingis, like, thing, maybe? I, Lots, I, yeah. So I did a video on that uh, when they first traded for him. Um, I think the fit is actually fantastic, assuming the, th 
the question mark to me, so Washington and a, a buddy of mine, uh, Joe, Joe Hubert, who uh, does stuff for a website called Swish Theory. I think um, it's like Joe House. I was like, yeah, you've got the same <laughs> Bill Simmons, uh, Washington Wizards <laughs> guy. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, my buddy Joe did uh, an entire piece that just broke down why the Washington Wizards actually have like one of the league's best offenses from like an X's and O's perspective. And the big thing with Porzingis is if you use him the right way, he is a very, 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 very good player. And that's like the question mark with Porzingis is like, does Boston use him the right way? Which I don't think it's unlikely that they're going to because the things that Washington did to get the most out of Porzingis, Boston has been doing those same kinds of things with Tatum and Brown uh, through the use of like Al Horford and uh, Grant Williams over the, over the past couple of years. A lot of the same actions that Washington runs, Boston does it as well. So I, I actually am pretty high on Porzingis coming in and being that like third star. And obviously he's a good defender. Like he's a big mm-hmm. dude. He's seven feet, two inches tall. He's whatever he is. He's going to be able to block shots and protect the rim. Yeah. I think any fit concerns that I see don't make a ton of sense to me because of how successful Rob and Horford have been playing together. And Porzingis is kind of just like a mix of both of them, with obviously more versatility on offense. But when you just talk about he's a rim runner like Rob on offense, and then um, he can space the floor like Al on offense, and then obviously you add in the ability to catch uh, to post up and attack off closeouts and do stuff like that. Like, um, yeah, I think the ceiling is no question higher with Porzingis. I think injury wise, maybe um, that's where like the concern is. Obviously, with the plantar fasciitis thing already, but um, yeah, good. To I also, Alex. I think, I think. Losing smart Boston fans, I, yeah, I come yeah. in peace saying this. <laughs> Marcus Smart's a very, very good player, but Derek White stepping into the starting role. Yep, I think like like I'm all in on the Derek White All Star campaign. Guy. Like this dude, I would yeah. not be surprised if he has like a Drew Holiday type All Star mm. season where he's like maybe around close to like 20 points per game, like with really, really good uh, defense, like elite defense. He was arguably in my opinion you know you make the argument he was the best guard defender in the nba last year mm-hmm. um and i wouldn't i wouldn't be mad at you for that it's he's just very 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 good now and like how much does his output and production scale with more usage which he's undoubtedly going to get this year and i think it'll scale very very well and in the context of this team like it's hard to imagine they're not the best team in the east like i'd be shocked if they're anything lower than the one seed yeah uh left, self left, plug left here good yeah yeah that felt really good <laughs> self plug here i just wrote about how part of the marcus smart trade was the fact that Derek white is so damn good that they want to clear the way for him um and smart missed three weeks Derek white started played a huge role 25 rebounds six assists a game yeah. on basically 50 40 90 so yeah i'm really confident in d white being able to step in and like culturally they just needed a change man they really just did unfortunately I love Marcus, always will, but I think it was time. Yep. Yep. I think Izzy yeah. Gamer makes a good point. It's like we we almost we, we were just never gonna see the Derek White empowerment situation if Marcus Smart's still here. Like yep. the fact that Derek White was only playing 28 minutes a game last year, just like is not it's insane. It's just, it is like for someone that was so good last season, it's crazy that he's not playing 35 minutes a night. Um yeah, so we're gonna see it. Yes, sir. 
All right. This is this is the, now we're really going to test you here, Alex. Oh boy. Now we're really going to test you here. You you I feel like you've, you know, um endeared yourself to the first of the floor fans um pretty well, I'd say today. But um Spoony, do you want to do you want to take the take the reins? I kind of jumped in there, but um, no, go ahead, man. All right, yeah, go Sorry, for it. I, I just I just all of a sudden I started hosting. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's all uh, you, man. Jason Tatum kind of more or less is going to decide whether or not like put the Celtics win a title. Awesome, Porzingis comes in, make some changes here or there, but him like if he plays at like the level he's capable of in the Warriors series. They probably win the title. Ironically, I thought he was the best player in the Heat series. The problem was um, Jalen didn't come along for the ride. Obviously, he hurt his ankle in game seven, um, but he was like putting Jimmy Butler in a locker by the time game six of that series was here. But where do you have Tatum ranked going into next season? Um, I don't, so, yeah. In regards to what you said about him hurting his ankle in that game seven. Yeah. I can say this now because the game is over and I have nothing at stake. I am 100% confident <laughs> Jason Tatum does not hurt his ankle in the beginning of that game. They win that game. Yeah. I, I am like painfully, I was going into that game. I was, I was telling all my friends, I'm like, they're going to do it. Like it's going to happen. And then Jason Tatum hurt his ankle. And I was like, that's it. It's, yeah. it's not happening. And yep. you know, <clears throat> Hindsight's twenty twenty. I can say that now because I have nothing at stake here. But sure. uh, he was. I mean, he. I think the the Warriors final thing, uh, finals thing, where he just completely looked like a different player. People talk about the wrist stuff and like they're like it, it wasn't a real thing and like you know he he didn't end up getting surgery and I'm like regardless of that, either way, whether you think it was real, whether you think it was fake he just was not doing what you expect of Jason Tatum. Like he just looked like a different player. I think whether or not his wrist was hurt, I think he would have still looked like a different player. It just was not, he was not there. Something was not right. To me, it was uh, mental exhaustion. It was like the game sevens again, the game seven against Milwaukee, the game seven series against the heat. And then to go into another insanely difficult defensive situation, like with Draymond, it, I think he just, he, he wasn't ready for it. That's okay. Yeah. That's got to be just brutal to to have yeah. to go through that like constantly. Like not only is it a physical roller coaster, like there's an emotional roller coaster there yep. too. Like you're fighting, you're you know not literally fighting for your life, but you're fighting for your life every single game out there. And I think this year, like I, I'm a big believer in you have to go through the fire before you become like that guy. Before you you got to take your punches before you can you know be the champ. And I at this point, it's kind of like. How many more bruises does Jason Tatum need to take before before it happens? And like he, the thing is, he has become that guy. Like you look at his numbers over the past two, three seasons, and it's like, yeah, he's he's an incredible player. He's one of the he's one of the ten best players in the NBA right now, like no question. And like this year, the the thing that stood out to me throughout like the entire regular season was the fact that he looked much more comfortable getting to the rim and finishing. Um, you know, the mid range stuff with Tatum is kind of becoming like a theoretical thing. And yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not going to hold my breath anymore, but I've kind of went on a rant about it on Twitter today about how three level scoring is kind of overrated anyways. Um, I don't think Jason Tatum needs to be a good mid range shooter to be like a top five, top three player in the NBA. Like it's just not necessary. 
if he gets there, fine. Great. That's awesome. If he doesn't, I don't care that much. He can still, based on what he's shown us and what he's shown us that he's capable of doing and the versatility that he has from top to bottom, it's like he can still be a top three player in the NBA. I think that third level is less the mid-range and more the post-up. I think, like, what's the other option? If the three if the three ball's not happening, if he's having issues at the rim, he was really good in the post last year, like, annoyingly good uh, considering how little they put put him down there. Mm-hmm. And then the float-up, it's it was better last year. It was still not good, but he's really only started doing it last year. was really the first time that was part of his bag. Um, but we're going we're gonna to have to nail this down, Alex. I think... Um, I think it's fair that tier one is Jokic, Steph, and Giannis. In my opinion, that's like an unassailable tier one. Maybe I, to me, that's tier one. And then tier two is just a big tier now where it's like Tatum, Luca, KD. I would say Luca, Luca and Tatum at four and five is like safe for me. I think KD, your time is over, old man. Embiid, I think yeah, now you're in prove it mode in the playoffs. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. And then it's like, Booker, Jimmy, LeBron, Embiid, AD tier. But that's they're all kind of in like the same tier to me. And that's like 11 total guys. Um, but yeah, like, do you agree that that in, in with that kind of premise? I think he's top end of the second tier easily. Yeah. Like, that's not, I, I think he's, the question now is like, you know, Obviously, Steph, Giannis, Jokic, that's that's a tough group to hang with just because of everything yeah. that we've seen. But like that is not unattainable, maybe not this year, but a couple years from now. Like I, I have pretty full confidence Tatum's going to end up being a tier one player at some point in his career. And, you know, this year, if there was like a tier one A and tier one B, like Tatum's mm. easily tier one B, like that's. I would have him top five player in the NBA right now, like comfortably, like not a question. Yeah. This is, this is, this is the question that all Celtics fans want you to answer right here. Tatum, Tatum and Luca. Cause I think that's of the next two, two guys to me, that's, those are the two most obvious guys to like become surefire tier one guys year in, year out. Um, I probably would not have Kevin Durant top five. That's my hot take. So I think like Luca would probably be four just because like two way wise, like Jason Tatum's better, but like Luca's just, he doesn't make sense. Like he's ridiculously an incredible player. Like the stuff that he does is unreal, but I like, I would have Tatum over Kevin Durant because I think Tatum just does more for you right now. Like Kevin Durant's kind of turning into, honestly, I say turning into, but like, He's he doesn't of, he's get to the rim. He's got to share like uh, uh, he can't be the number one right. guy anymore. And that's not like a that's not saying that he's like not good enough to, but like he's shown that he is not willing to. So if you're not willing to, I'm going to operate under the assumption that guys who are willing to and guys that are doing that thing as the number one guy and like confidently like driving the bus as much as I kind of that whole discourse was a little bit ridiculous (laughs) to me like yeah I'd have Tatum over Kevin Durant right now just because you're getting more defense he is able to have he's not I don't want to say able to have the ball in his hands more but like he is doing more with the ball in his hands than Kevin Durant is like Kevin Durant's basically like someone else is going to bring the ball up the floor like 
Kevin Durant will operate within the flow of your offense and he will do it very, 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 very well. <laughs> but Jason Tatum's going to run your offense. He's going to be like the fulcrum on which you you build your, uh, you know, seesaw or whatever. Yeah. And I think, yeah, two years in a row now, I think like KD's been kind of underwhelming in the playoffs. So I think, and it's not, he had an Achilles injury after 30 years old and like he's probably the, the, the athlete that's recovered the best in history from that injury, he's still been yeah. so awesome. But the fact is, he's 34 years old. He's had, he's had, like, he had sprained his knee two years in a row as well now. Like, he's just not quite at that level, I think, now. But yeah, I, I mean, Spoonie, where are you on the Luca Tatum thing? Because I, I, I do think it's totally fair to have Luca ahead of yeah. Tatum, but I do think that they're right there um, just because of what Tatum brings you on on the other end. I think they're closer than probably the non-Celtics fans think. Um, but it, because like, look, man, like I know people are like, Luke is better defensively in the playoffs. Yeah. So he's like below average instead of like not trying. Tatum is legitimately one of the best wing defenders in the NBA. Like there's a lot of value there. Um, so I would, uh, uh, man, uh, it's almost impossible. It's more about like what your team needs. I think like... But I, you know, I'm a homer. I'm give me Tatum, whatever. He's done it. So he's gotten this team to the Eastern Conference Finals how many times? You know, like at some point, like the results just kind of have to speak for themselves. Look, if Luca goes out and wins a title next year, he's probably the best player in the NBA at that point. So I think it's just more about results. Um, as opposed to skill set for me, because there's just really different players too. So it's kind of hard to evaluate. Luke is essentially a point guard. He's just really big. So, uh, and Tatum's not, he's more of an off ball guy. So I just flip a coin, but give me Tatum. I'm a homer. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And I, yeah, see, yeah. I'm never going to argue with, yeah. with, uh, I, with that. I, I do think it's fair to wonder about Luke's play style. I think we've got it in the, in the chat here and if he's capable or willing, I'm not sure because, like with Slovenia, it's it's the Luca show Helio as it should be specifically with Slovenia. But um, this is an interesting year for the Tatum Luca discourse, just because Porzingis is coming to the Celtics now, and it it flamed out famously where they had to trade Porzingis for pennies on the dollar, and you know you see Brunson leave and have a career year, uh, obviously slightly different role, but is. Luca elevating players around him because, like, on its face, you're like, "Yeah, playing with Luca's great," but really, it's it's like playing with Harden right now. Um, is yeah. is your when you're playing offense with with Luca? Whereas I I do think Luca's that good on offense where he has a Jokic, like he has the mind, he has the IQ, he has the feel to play not the same exact way, obviously because Jokic is seven feet. Um, but I don't see why Luca wouldn't be able to create far more of a team centric offense. Um, as opposed to what he's doing right now. And if he's able to unlock that piece, that would be where I think he goes to a new level. Whereas Tatum, I think it's like, you know, you come and play with Tatum, you can, you, you come get paid, you know, whether it's Gordon Hayward or Al Horford going to get paid in Philly and coming back, like um, Derek White having his best season as a, as a, as a, as a pro. Um, I think it's, you know, proven that guys can, can play at a really high level with Tatum. So I, 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 I lean Tatum, but like, I think it's, it's super close. I think those are the two guys though. Like can one of those two guys like comfortably enter tier one this year? Yeah. I, there is going to be one more leap, I think, for Tatum. I just don't know if it's going to be this year because, you know, he's 25, but there's, he'll be better again this year, I think. But is that now, oh, wow, we've got prime Tatum. Is that going to happen this year, next year, the year after? It's hard to say. The fact that he's only 
25 still is pretty crazy, but um, we'll see. I appreciate that. Rob Montana calling me smart in the chat. This is what I just spend most of my life thinking about <laughs> every day. So, yeah. All right, Alex, we have taken up a lot of your time, yeah. dude. I yeah, just want to say, like, we really appreciate it. This was awesome. Um, we will definitely be back in touch, whether you like it or not. So <laughs> thank you so much. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Uh, Alex Hoops on YouTube. Uh, Alex Hoops on Twitter uh, with an underscore at the end. But uh, yeah, tweeting a lot, posting on YouTube a lot. Check it out. Thank you yeah. guys for having me on. This was awesome. Uh, I always love it. So, I, I man, I appreciate it. And like, if anyone, everyone listening, like Alex is YouTube, like you want to learn about basketball, great. It's a great place to go. I appreciate uh, that, man. Yeah, yeah, that's sir. what I strive to do. You know, I, that, anytime someone's like, oh, I learned so, like I learned something that I didn't know before from this video. I'm like, sweet. That's like yeah. the coolest <laughs> thing to me. So yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's not exactly what we're going for. We're uh, you know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's okay. And <laughs> no, uh, I love it, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. So that's going to do it for this one, Jake. In the words of Ben, love your work, mate. I'll see you guys later. (laughs) 